0: We're going to talk about something we know you're going to love. Star Trek wines. We've been following Star Trek wines since they launched about four or five years ago. Every year they come out with two new and authentic products. Fans of the original series, Deep Space Nine, The Next Generation, and the new Picard series will recognize several of these amazing Star Trek wines from each series. The entire Star Trek Wines collection celebrates some of Star Trek's most enduring legacies. Jean-Luc Picard, the Klingon Empire, Cardassian culture, and the United Federation of Planets. Right now, Star Trek Wines is featuring its full collection, all six bottles in an interplanetary six-pack called the Full Armada, a must-have for any Star Trek fan. Over the next six weeks, we're going to sample and explore each wine, and talk to the creators about how they put these wines together. These wines are rich in detail, including individually numbered bottles, hand wax-dipped enclosures, 3D-rendered bottles created from the original props used on the shows, and even a blue Chardonnay. Liner notes crafted by writer Una McCormick for historical accuracy are all part of the package. The elegant Chateau Picard Old World French Cru Bordeaux is produced by and imported from the real Chateau Picard in France. Over the next few weeks, we'll be sampling and reviewing the full collection, as well as looking into the newest wines just released in 2021. An Andorian Blue Special Reserve Chardonnay, which features a United Federation of Planets metal medallion, silk screen designs, and a stellar blue wine sought after throughout the galaxy. We'll also do a deep dive in the legendary Cardassian Kanar, long considered one of the Holy Grail collectibles in the Star Trek universe. So join us as we go behind the scenes with the team behind Star Trek Wines.
1: Welcome to the
0: United Fermentation of Planets, where no glass, Gone before. Great
1: kid, don't get cocky. <laughs>
0: that looks, <laughs> that It's not bad. All right, sweet, excellent. I think we're okay. So, yeah, Banana Town. So it's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, so we're here in Paul's um, Toy Land <laughs> in the basement of his house. It is something else in here. I don't even. I can't even estimate. Like how many figures and ships and props and things must be in here? It's it's stunning. It's hundreds, and I understand only a portion of what actually exists here. Um, but my favorite is definitely the new the new
1: um, bridge, the old yeah. school original series bridge, right? right? Which you know, big fan of the Playmates figures, four and a half inch scale, right? That they made in the nineties. They made a next-gen bridge, and it was small. It was okay, but you know what? Other than the cardboard box that came in, <laughs> original series figures kind of got the shaft. Mm-hmm. Though, you can find online, they made a prototype. Right. They were gonna make something like this, right? But they, just of, never, got around but to they it. never got around to it, and you know, money and et cetera, Business and it's toy business is nuts. But I've seen pictures of the prototype. But this is to scale, right? Yeah. This n- crazy guy, right, <laughs> who's somewhere in Texas, right. He makes all these phenomenal props uh, from Star Trek. Most of it the original series, right, and all lovingly to scale. And so this is like a to scale, exactly correct blueprint, like sized thing of the original series uh, bridge. It's electronic, it's got lights, it's got doors to the turbo lift. It's just nuts. Yeah. It's just nuts.
0: Yeah, there's the translucent screens here yeah. all around the entire yeah. perimeter. It's bridge. pretty
1: wild and you know chairs for your figures so it's like you can put all your figures in there and you can look
0: at them. Wow. And of course Paul <laughs> well, has it all set up here. He's got, uh, he's got Sue and Chekhov here at the helm. He's got the captain looking very stoic uh, with, of course, uh, Rand right next to him. he got Spock and Kura back here, uh, but nobody... Nobody has noticed the Klingon sneaking in yet from the turbo lift.
1: See, my theory is that McCoy is going to come in, right? Okay. And he's going to ambush him and hit him with the hypospray. There we go. Right? That's what I think is going to happen. Yep. Is, oh, we got, he's got the hypo spray ready. Uh, uh, he's got his scanner right in his is hand. I, th- I think so. Yeah. Well, we're really getting off track here
0: for it, <laughs> so, But it is kind of compelling to, to stare at. So. You, you'd have to understand how, how absolutely engulfing the detail is in this room. I mean, it's just—it's everywhere. It's—it's it's as high as I am. It's every single wall. It's dozens and dozens of figures on every shelf. I—I've got an extremely realistic Adam West Batman staring at me right now. Oh yeah. I, I don't mind one bit. I think
1: every Batman's represented, hopefully, at some point or another. Um, I'm particularly fond of the Frank Miller comic era. Uh, yeah, sure. from the '80s. I think those are great. Yeah. I got a Reeves Superman. It's just nuts in here, guys. But uh, I'm sure. Eric can provide you with photographic evidence if you're interested. We can we can get you uh, you know a little bit of insight because this is radio, not TV. When I sure that, can be frustrating. But uh, luckily, like we have a Facebook page. So uh, you have a Facebook page. We, so we, have, we can uh, we can make that happen. Uh-huh. So uh, that's good uh, incentive to go check said page out. It is, and we can we can help make that happen. But uh, yeah, it's just a giant collection of. Uh, figures and vehicles essentially everything sci-fi and horror. yeah sci-fi and or mostly sci-fi uh, heavy on the star trek star wars side of the fence but you name it um, if it's a vehicle or sci-fi or monster related i'm probably into it so that's long-winded we've got all kinds of crazy sounds that can happen at a moment's notice with no warning <laughs> But that's another franchise. That's not what we're here about here today. You know who we're here about here today? Correct. Right.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. We're here about this guy. We have our new... We hear about the Cardassians. So we have joining us today uh, Mr. Goldicott himself. Uh, he is another one of our Playmates figures. Is that, is that true? That is correct. That is true. Another one of our Playmates figures. And he is here to help us enjoy uh, what Star Wines.com calls the Holy Grail of uh, Star Trek collectibles, um, which is this Cardassian Canar, Uh, there's no question, this bottle is unbelievable. It is
1: amazing, it is amazing, and from what I understand, right, it sounds like they really researched the heck out of this stuff, which doesn't surprise me, because they've been really accurate on all these things, but uh, I believe this is uh, tip of the hat to the... uh, the bottle that you saw, I think, in Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. like in Quarks is where you first saw it, that's I right. believe, right? It's not, definitely not the first reference to K-N-R, but it's, that's, that's the thing about the Kardashians, right? In the, the run of all the stuff on the show, or all the shows, right? I think it was The Wounded it was the first Next Generation episode where they show up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a really cool scene in, like, Ten Forward where uh, Miles O'Brien is sitting down with like a Cardassian soldier, right? And they both got that chip on their shoulder mm-hmm. from previous battles and stuff like that. But the Cardassian sits down at the bar. What the order? Cardassian Canar. Canar, right? Exactly. And it's, it's, that's the very first appearance of the Cardassians in the universe, right, that we know. And they kind of took it from there. So really, really cool. Um, it's kind of like a... A encircling Island. serpentine kind of vibe, right? Which I think is appropriate for the sort of reptilian vibe Cardassians, right? It is screaming. The I Dream of Genie bottle, okay. I mean, <laughs> it's like I can hear Larry Hagman going, "Genie, where's my keys, Genie?" You know. <laughs> and I know that may seem inappropriate, or but I can make a, uh, a I Dream of Genie Star Trek connection. Are you able to do this? Uh, I'd love to hear you. Okay, I'm fine. I'm ready to do it because right. on I Dream of Genie, right? Uh, the blue gin. Right, I believe he was the Blue Genie. I think is what he called him. He was like a sort of nefarious, misunderstood, you know, male genie. Right, was played uh, by Michael Ansara. Right, really intense-looking actor. And uh, not only was he married to Barbara Eden, Genie herself, but in the classic original series episode "Day of the Dove," ready for it, he played Kang. Oh, the uh,
0: did he really? Yes,
1: he did. So, and he was great. He's like, you know. The one who is just completely... Yeah. You know, we grow annoyed at your foolishness, Kirk.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. I, I had no idea there was an I Dream of Genie Star Trek. Game. There you go. I mean, it's the 60s on the... Uh, you know, <laughs> There's every, only so many after. Everybody's now. working with everybody back then, right? <laughs> right? I mean, this is only a couple
1: backlots in L.A., right? It's the 60s, and everyone's out of their minds, right? They're yeah, you know, yeah. like, totally... Uh, anything is possible. So I think it was pretty, uh, pretty crazy times. But uh, this totally evokes that, and it's just great. I think they... Uh, from what I read some places, these these cats went out of their way to find the the bottles were originally made in Italy, like really rare, and they. They went out of their way to recreate them right I think to, so. to make yeah. it so as, as as much fealty to what was really seen in quarks that's right as, as possible which is really amazing I mean that's some serious fan love from the folks at, at this company here and the, on the top of the cap what do you got
0: going on there yeah I mean there's a whole bunch of great detail here I, I completely agree with your your sort of serpentine thing about this neck you know that it really makes me think about their kind of collarbones who, that the Cardassians have you know that sort of yeah exactly yeah they are at kind the, of reptilian I mean, uh, uh, you know. the the the, 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 what they were trying to evoke, I think, it to was. some degree? And then on the top here, of course, we have the the Cardassian logo that is in the shape of one of their uh, Galler-class uh, ships, you know, that you see hanging up behind their various desks and things like that. And then there's there are a series of kind of other logos that are on a, a clear plastic wrap that kind of goes around the bottom of the bottle. So rather than the um, logos and, uh, you know, kind of health information (laughs) being being printed right on the bottle. um, It's kind of wrapped. So I actually kind of like that because although if you were to take this plastic off you might lose this logo. I'm betting you wouldn't. I you, yeah. But Maybe. I know I can yeah, see I can behind. see this is great
1: friends because it's Eric's collector's reluctance to yeah. take the this is I think this is, we have to make it so that every episode we've done we say the word sheath because I think you've said
0: it's just they there's a <laughs> sheath around everything here. But it's yeah. just like he's like I don't want to you know make really it, less, it less less collectible. I want to leave it like it is. So it just, just is so amazing the way. It is, Leave the Surgical General's ward, warning on there, it, but, it would uh, look maybe a little better with the plastic off. So who knows? But there's good stuff. info
1: on there. There's good info. We can see that we are talking about uh, again, Lodi, California, being yeah. uh, you know the Earth base uh, corollary.
0: For uh, both Klingon and Cardassian. Yeah, apparently, the Cardassias
1: have occupied California as well. Same, same winery, in fact. And we're talking 14.6 alcohol by volume, and we are talking, that doesn't tell me here. This is all health problems and sulfites and such. Red wine blend. But yeah. it's a blend, and I'm, let's see if I can remember what you told me last time. I want to say it's Cabernet. Yep,
0: that sounds right. Blue Merlot.
1: Yeah. Uh, Syrah. Yeah.
0: And I think Petite Syrah. I, it was something like that. It was something with two words. Or Petite. Bordeaux, Petit. one of the other, yeah, I think too.
1: So it's going to be interesting. You hear, say the word Syrah, and you've got my attention. Um, That's a phenomenal varietal. Pretty much in any corner of the verse, you choose
0: to hang your hat. So So, this bottle also comes with uh, a set of liner notes um, that are kind of strapped around the neck of the bottle, uh, which none of the other bottles have come with. It's got a fantastic, you know, Cardassian kind of um, almost like Art Deco-looking yeah. art uh, on the front of it, which is really, really There's Something neat. in a weird way it looks like the Delta Shield, right? Well, it looks like it's a, a Delta bit. Shield, and it also kind of is evocative of Mandalorians to me. Yeah, so. it's a little <laughs> threatening. I would say it's a
1: threatening thing here. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I want to say that
0: I read some places that the liner notes were written by like a prominent Star Trek um, novelist, yeah, wait, I believe, right? and here. The it's correct? actually a friend of the show. Shout out. She, she has been on before, uh, and she was something else. We, we had her on all the way from England. Uh, Una McCormick contributed to the liner notes here for the Cardassian Wow, canar. that's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so this says number 205. I wonder if these are individually numbered bottles like the other one. I didn't look that up, and it does say number 205 up here, so oh, I'm not sure what that that's means. really, that's impressive. But she says, Cardassians, their culture, and their relationship to wine, in the McCormick May 2021. The story of Canar is intimately connected with the rise of the Cardassian Union, the exact landscape of Cardassia Prime, and the strong bonds which hold the Union together. Evidence of Canar production on Prime is found as far back as the Habesian period. The famous burial vaults of Kluha contain not only numerous examples of Gevonite bottles, but a series of ornate mosaics, the El Ha panels, showing the centrality of the Canar to Aurelian Way symposiums. The severe climatic change that ended Habitian civilization and marked the emergence of Cardassian culture ushered in a new era for the production of Canar. Harsher weather meant that suitable microclimates were drastically reduced, and in this newly demanding environment, the main types of grapes from which Canar had been produced were reduced to the three main varietals that we see today. Canar, as we know it, had arrived, rapidly forming a crucial part of private and public life from family festivals around year's turn and enjoyments to the triumphal commemorations of the gulls and legates of the empire. Skins of gentle hide, or ghetto hide, excuse me, were originally used as containers, but in the flourishing of decorative arts that took place prior to the establishment of the First Republic, glass bottles became the norm. The with its distinctive spiral shape emerged during this period, many becoming treasured family heirlooms or collectible antiques, particularly the rare Obsidian mirak, made from black glass, of which only a handful have survived the destruction of the Dominion War. Didn't you say that you stepped in some Mirac on the way over here? A little bit on yeah, the bottom of my yeah. In the post-war period, Kanar has formed a crucial part in the regeneration of the Union and a reaffirmation of the values of mutual aid that underpin contemporary Cardassian culture. Remembering the past and looking forward to the future, we continue to raise a glass of Canar for Cardassia. And there's a great uh, QR code here, which I have not scanned, uh, but I imagine that takes you to places uh, beyond this room. Do you want to find out? Yeah, we can find out. Let's find out. scanning the QR code. Well written, Una,
1: very detailed.
0: Yeah, Una, Una is really, t- her books are really like top notch. And what a shock, it takes you <gasps> to... The Full Armada, six-bottle pack, right on Star Trek Wines. The home. serpent has devoured its own tail. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Once again, back over,
0: where we see the k
1: bottle... It's taller than any of the others, I'm pretty sure. It is. At least in this depiction here. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: And we've made good headway. This takes us to the halfway point of our journey through uh, the Armada. It's hard to imagine that we've already uh, enjoyed two. We're about to enjoy our third, but uh, there's still a lot of ground left to cover. Oh,
1: I feel like we're just getting started, which is unbelievable, but uh, phenomenal. Nonetheless, nonetheless. So pretty wild. All right.
0: Well, shall we? I think we should. Uh, Let's see here. There, you here. may
1: need a, uh, a cutter. I believe so I do. I'm going to give try. you a cutter right here. the
0: moment we... We possibly. are really going for injury-free... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny because the plastic here is clear and the glass is clear. And so it's actually kind of hard to see like where the plastic and is. And is there actual cork in
1: there or well, is it
0: acrylic? I am... Because I don't see cork. I see zero cork here. I'm really fascinated with how this is actually going to shake out. Uh, absolutely massacring this plastic coming off a little bit, there we go there we go okay, you have done well oh my gosh what do we do here, do we just kind of take this off seems like it just squeezes out yeah, wow, look at that okay, so it's a uh, all glass cap with a rubber gasket on it very interesting yeah, that's, that's, oh look look at this look underneath oh that that is again if you look beneath
1: it's like sort of magnified to the bottom of the glass stopper looking like which probably no one ever would think to look at right there it is there's that cardassian shield emblem the gaylor class symbol again
0: incredible uh really nice bit of detailing in there and the colors are really vibrant it's got that green and kind of orange uh color that really pops through that glass again it's kind of thing it's like would, do you need to put that there? Is there? No. It's it
1: would, uh, the Probably 2% of people notice it. Probably not. But it's that extra attention to detail that really shows up. We've noticed that on all these bottles. The presentation is just
0: super extreme, very detailed. So pretty wild. All right. He's smelling. I'm smelling. He's smelling. It has a, uh, a very different uh, sense to the wines that we've had in the past here. mm I'm intrigued. And me too, all right. All right. Let's pour a little bit. Here. Captain. <laughs> bottle pours really nicely. It's, uh, look at that. And it makes a crazy sound, yeah, doesn't it? Uh, it's kind the, of like a tornado. Because yeah. it's
1: so circular yeah. and has all these different chambers to it, right? Yeah. I mean, in terms of the indentations, it makes a wacky... We're not going to recreate that now. On the next pour, <laughs> listen to that, friends. You'll hear all kinds of a gurgling happening. But, uh, the same sound a Cardassian gull makes as he's swallowing, I believe. Absolutely. Or, you know, that's what they're trying to evoke. So. <laughs> well, my friend, here we are. Cheers. Once again.
0: It's not what I thought I was gonna get from the It's um yeah. It's got it's more low than I expected as well.
1: got insane legs. I mean, look at that. That's just like nuts oh, is. on the side of the glass there. Um, really good, I'll just, first impressions, because uh, you know it's going to change after it's been open a little mm-hmm. And again, this is like, I'm trying to remember this particular vintage this is. Is it 2000? I don't
0: think they've actually listed vintage on these, but.
1: 2021, whatever it may be. I can't, I'm not let me sure, see, but it's just, funny. but so it's going to change once it's been open for a while but wow that's a great first impression for me um, being a big Cabernet lover I mean it's it's pretty rich and it's full got, it's body
0: it's pretty really rich and, and that's why it's, like the first thing I read in it was the more merlot side of things is it's so rich Ah. And Merlot gets a bad rap sometimes, right? You
1: know, if you've ever seen a movie Sideways with Paul Giamatti, you're like, oh, you know, it's like dismissive, right? But but it can be a really great thing, right? I'm probably not going to go seek out 100% Merlot or whatever, right? But to temper something, Mm -hmm. right? And then I want to say that it's the Syrah in here as well. And Syrah is another big, you know, strong, structured, well-balanced, tannin, varietal, right? You put those things together it's it's great because i think it makes it so that it this isn't too fruit forward or too strong i mean i get like a, mm-hmm. I get blueberry i don't know if that's me but okay. i i get a little hint of like you know blueberry pancakes almost right which interesting cuz i was born like cranberry cranberry yeah like okay. it, i can get i can see that as well right yeah. cuz it's got that tartness right and it's got some some acidity to it but uh-huh. really pleasingly so yeah. um I <laughs> to go back in again. And he's not
0: kidding about the legs. I mean, I'm sitting here just looking through the side of my glass. They don't go away.
1: And they don't go away. They just, just drip hang really, there,
0: man. Really, really slowly. And I'm thinking
1: that's the, that's the Syrah. And um, I want to say, was it, I can't remember if it was Petit Syrah or Petit Bordeaux that's in there as well. But it's just, it's really balanced structure, man. I mean, it really, really is. It's like it's not, it's got some rich... You know, strong berry flavors to it, and things like we were talking about blueberry or cranberry. But it is, you know, it's not overwhelmingly rich. I tend to lean more towards like liking a nice dry wine, right? And but not something that's you know too acidic or too much tannin. This seems to balance all that together, and I can see why it's the favorite of gulls across the. the community.
0: So they say Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Petit Syrah, and Petit Bordeaux.
1: Petit Syrah and Petit Bordeaux. Okay. Okay, so no straight Syrah.
0: Mm-mm.
1: Petit Syrah and Petit Bordeaux. Okay, interesting. And, and
0: you said blueberries, and uh, their advertisement says uh, ripe blackberries and juicy blueberries. Blueberries, okay. Velvety tannins and a long, delightful finish, which I would agree yeah. the long, delightful finish. Yeah. It kind of laughs with you a little bit. Yeah.
1: But it's just, it's like if, if you know, you're... Uh, Averse to red wines that are too sweet. Mm. Don't let the Merlot uh, throw you mm. even remotely. Mm. Right? I think it's there to help balance things and you know, provides this nice segue, if you will, as you're finishing things off. I'm just curious to see what this is like in 15, 20 minutes. But it's just uh, really you know,
0: they're 100% so far. They're not going to be very wine. dark. It's uh, you know, like at the color, color is way more on the purple end of things than uh Lord... very purple. Yeah. Yeah, like uh like purple purple. Like yeah, like the instant <laughs> <laughs> Not quite Joker purple, like but... part of
1: part of Lando Calrissian's cloak purple. I, I mean like yeah. really really like very plum. Very
0: plum <laughs> is like, what I get from it, right? As it's... we both look around the room trying know, to find What purple reference? <laughs> <laughs> we have thousands yeah. of figures to choose from, so uh...
1: truly, truly you do. Mm-hmm. But uh Ooh, yeah, this is a winner. Yeah, and I get a little—it's—it's—it's it's, it's been decades, so I'm since I've had any proximity, but I get almost like a little
0: tiny hint of tobacco. Oh, okay, I'm almost with that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. There's a flavor that I can't. And maybe that's like the per- t-
1: petite Bordeaux maybe that, that brings it that and from what I remember I haven't had anything with that in like a jillion years, mm-hmm. right? Going back to the waiting tables days, which mm-hmm. is a ways back, but I seem to remember that was like something that would age really well, stuff with petite Bordeaux. Okay. Like, it would be like something that would be, you know, have a lot of uh, a tannins to it, but would really lend itself to keeping for a long time and being something that, that ages well. So you could probably get a bottle of this and...
0: Hide it in your uh, <laughs> yeah, stash it in the basement somewhere. It is 100% clear glass, so you definitely want to protect this, uh, you know, from the sun. It's got a lot of ridges going
1: around it too. Again, mm-hmm. it's just really uh, would you call that striated? Except for the bottom, the bottom bulb is is pretty smooth. Mm-hmm. Again, that's part that's part that's wrapped in the, the protective uh, plastic there. But it's really amazing. I mean, it really is a, it's a neat piece of work. I don't envy the person that had to blow that glass.
0: Well, I wonder, yeah, I mean, I would think, perhaps I when, they, uh, when we air this, uh, we can get a little bit more information from the folks on how they actually made this. If you look at it, you can kind of see a seam right here that goes down. That goes oh, down. look at that, yeah. I think it might be a mold of some kind. Perhaps, yeah. Uh, but I don't really know,
1: so. Yeah, I don't know enough about, like, the volume of production, how that works for wine bottles. Like, if they use molds, or outward, I would imagine it has to be, right? I mean, because it's, that you know,
0: so. you're cranking out hundreds of bottles. Yeah. If not more. Right. Well, I would be interested to know like what the run was for this as well, like how many bottles how many, many bottles they made?
1: made. Yeah, I would guess it has to be, you know, I would think a few hundred, right?
0: You would think so. I mean, if this is, you know, this is number 205. <laughs>
1: 205. That's pretty good.
0: <laughs> oh man. and sit uh, quietly and, and it would go away a little more quickly than I planned.
1: <laughs> I think easily. Easily. <laughs>
0: We're, we tend to do
1: make a good dent really quickly whenever we do this. So, but uh,
0: not everything at a battery sitter. I know. I was, it, at, so. well, I was looking. So, uh, C'est la there's just So some of my, I, not to talk about the toys, but we are in room, so some of my favorites, definitely this Adam West over here, I, I think is amazing, and his car is, is over there. There's a couple of versions of his car. There's a small, is that a die-cast one over there? Yes. And then this one over here is, uh, what, 12 inches, 14 inches long. Yeah, that's so. the uh, one I think when uh, Hot Wheels first got a hold and they made their very first, like, it's what they,
1: you diecast freaks, I believe, what is it, uh, 118, I think is the oh, scale. Okay, sure. I think those are 118 scale, I believe. Okay. I could be wrong. Because I was told there'd be no math at this particular. <laughs> this particular Cardassian, you know. And you got to convert for Cardassian math and that's just really, you know, you could miss the planet by, you know, a parsec.
0: A whole bunch. Right? Completely. I assume Cardassians still have base 10 math. You know, it's not like they're, uh, you know, what's that race from uh, Battlefield Earth that has 11 fingers and so the whole... The whole math system is like... Boy, you know, I gotta say, I avoided that one like the plague. Did you? Really? Yeah, I, yeah did, I gotta tell
1: I, you, I didn't get a good hit off of it. Well, it I mean,
0: like... L. Ron Hubbard's a little... What he is? Uh, that one I decided to read, and it's it's fun because it, uh, it the way that the kid gets out of the whole situation is he like figures out there. Math and he figures out there. Oh, so okay. Kind of like so he, he he thinks his way. Out he thinks his way jam. out, which okay. I really like, which kind is of, why. Which is
1: a very Heinlein kind of a thing. Well,
0: it is, it is, and I will tell you that that resonates all the way through to modern day for me because it's like my favorite superhero is um, is Squirrel Girl, and I don't know if you ever read any Squirrel Girl comics or not. I'm familiar with. I haven't read a lot of standalone comics of her, but I know who she is. Yeah, so she, you know, she's not. She's got some like, you know, she's got powers of a squirrel. She's not going to, but she had beat people on the order of Galactus. She no had, kidding. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Craven the Hunter. You know I mean? Wow. Right. like seriously. Not just by throwing nuts at them. Not just by throwing wow, nuts, at but era. by outthinking them. By outthinking them. This yeah. is good. Good, good role model. A very good You
1: know, that's great. Yeah. That's great. So, question, um, just because we're talking Cardassians, right, so help me out because as some Star Trek fans get older, their memories start to cause them problems, right? <laughs> I think I misidentified an action figure from the wrong episode a couple weeks ago. Was okay. like, that was humiliating. It's about, you know, we're all human, right? So we're so all
0: human. We all knew what you meant. And, uh,
1: yeah, we- so, what is the name of the President of the Federation currently? On discovery uh, her name is Rillick Rillick thank you yeah. Lyra Rillick Yeah, okay at least I could remember the first name yeah. so, so I'm super intrigued about her because it's like all right she's clearly half Cardassian right she's three races and I believe Bajoran, in Bajoran, human, right? So yeah. I want to know more about her, right? In yeah. fact, it's like almost Scream's early 70s sitcom, right? With the whole, you know, mixed sure. marriage aspect sure. of like, you know, my mom's a Bajoran. My dad's a Cardassian. How right? yeah. they yeah. do it? Yeah. It's like, oh, how can you, you know, it's like all the cultural But you do want to know what the backstory that what's is. What's going right? on there? I mean, yeah. I, it could be a, you know, great sitcom over there on Paramount Plus if you're looking to go down a different direction. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they have to do it in this. Country. You've done every other kind of genre lately. It's just like, come on! It's like no little different than. Uh what they've done with uh, Vision and, you know, WandaVision, Wanda, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like... It's almost like a, did you like that show? I, I mostly did. I loved yeah, that show. Sometimes. I mostly did. Yeah. Um, it, it left me really wanting more Agatha Harkness, though. I'm, yeah. right, I'm okay. right. like, where's let's get her out into the film firmament. Let's get her going. That's right. Because she was great and mm-hmm. didn't see that going. I was like, oh, oh no. no. So, I was no, no loving all that. So. And just the whole ethos of that sh- show was... It was exactly. clever, and they introduced a bunch of new stuff, and I think it went really, really well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it's weird, and I don't want to get, you know, it's, it's so out of character to be serious, even for a minute, in one of these things. But this is what I couldn't help think of over the last couple of days, right? Because it's like, okay, what are the Cardassians like, right, in terms of the relationship we know about them from... Uh, from let's just focus on like deep space nine,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and the bajoran thing they are an occupying race yes. right they come in and they identify something they want and they take it
0: mm-hmm.
1: right they're occupiers right and a lot of what got done on deep space nine really was evoking you know uh modern political things i mean that's what Ronald D. Moore does a lot, right? He basically holds science fiction up as a lens, right? And it is really difficult. I mean, with the week we're living in right now, friends, historically, is, is a pretty intense week for mankind, right? And I can't help but think of, like, Russia invading the Ukraine yeah. is very much Cardassians occupying Bajor kind of a thing it's like you're bringing in your giant weapons and
0: you're doing your old thing it's like that's a real Cardassian move Vlad it and, really is and you're doing it because they have something that you want that you think you're entitled to right you're kind of you
1: know going off of old grudges or you want their resources or whatever it's it's yeah. it's a little too you know it's hard not to think of it really you know uh, if you're a Star Trek fan no like absolutely. I, do. I mean I just, one of those odd things. Can I take a shot? Please. I wanna to try to normally Eric is big on the pouring. I wanna see if I can, you know recreate that sound. Let's see what happens. Oh whoa. They didn't even leave the bottle yet. Yeah.
0: how you uh You ever you... drank
1: beer out of a boot? Those glass those glass <laughs> boots. If you don't hold it the right way?
0: You just get a face full of beer.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> so, really? Similarly going on here with this this bottle, be very careful, friends, and don't drink from the bottle. You're going to be like uh,
0: bathing in Cardassian canar. It does pour very easily, so you want to be careful. Like, If you if this bottle tipped over, I have no uh, doubts it would be empty in about three seconds. Three, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> because it's got that you know vortex it's, it's made shape, vortex right? It is like yeah, a
1: vortex, so, yeah. so completely. Well, okay, let's go in again. I okay. what's going on here.
0: Yeah. It has a very kind of even mouth feel. What's that all about? It doesn't it doesn't hit like any particular part of my tongue. It feels like it's just kind of blanketing the entire thing with flavor. But I'm picking up different flavors on different parts of my tongue. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like I'm getting a lot. It's like almost
1: more like plum. Kind of a flavor here right now, we did, in a really good way. Um, I feel like the tannins and the dryness of it—what it, it is—the dryness—yeah—are uh, are really
0: complicated. That's what I have a hard seed. That's why the fruit, the fruitier wines, like that blood wine, I have more to say about those because I just my tongue picks that up. But yeah. when you say. Dry tannins. That's what I'm picking up. Yeah, I, it's the acidity. It's okay, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: But it's really interesting because it's like it, it's you know it doesn't like suck all the moisture out of your mouth or anything like that. Some wines can be so dry it's just like you're like oh right yeah you know, this doesn't do that at all. And it doesn't don't.
0: overcoat my tongue with anything. No. Okay.
1: It's just I like it when something isn't too I mean, it can be fruity without being too sweet. Mm-hmm. You know, so still so super accessible. Um, it doesn't like obliterate one part of your palate at all. It's like it's really complicated and, and I mean that in the best possible way. It's great. Hmm. This is such an interesting quirk. <laughs> and did we decide it's that glass or acrylic or I think it's 100% is it glass is a glass? It's sure feels That's like amazing. That. Yeah, you got like a Thing on it? oh yeah, that
0: feels like a last to me yeah. it lo- it, you know uh it reminds me of like your uh you know your seventies uh like you're watching the wire or not the wire, but um oh shoot, what was the seventies paper or advertising agency that was also the show ah not the wire, but the you're talking a TV show. TV show. Okay, and it's set in the 70s? Set in the 70s. Advertising agency.
1: Uh... You're talking Mad Men? Mad Men. That's the okay. one. Sorry. Okay, sorry. I think, <laughs> think, think that's more like a 50s show. right? Oh, but I the forget, 50s. But I forget. Okay. It, like, went, it spanned multiple decades, right? Towards yeah. the end, I think they were in the 70s. Okay, I, yeah. that's
0: the scenes that I have in yeah. my mind are those, um, are those 70s ones. It reminds me of a bottle of whiskey that they might have had on their bar in their office. Ah, okay. would have a cork. Or like a stopper, like this a glass stopper, you know.
1: Yeah, like when they're having the uh, the whiskey bar. Correct. There, yeah. yeah, you've got the uh, yeah. the great big decanters for the somebody's got their whiskey. in. Right.
0: Or like the old Bond movies where they'd always, you know, you'd walk into the office and like somebody would say, "Do you want a drink?" And they'd turn around and like <laughs> pull out one of these corks.
1: <laughs> Enjoy this whiskey while I tell you the plan I am about to. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> if I tell you my plan so you can thwart me. <laughs> it's like the talking
0: villain. Thanks, Mister Blofeld. Well done. Anytime I've seen a newer movie that kind of makes fun of that trope, I just really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, every now and then somebody gets it right, right? And That's right. The whole thing. But uh, well, one of my favorite things in the whole world is that fourth wall breaking. Uh, if you have a character or a show, like a play or anything, where that fourth wall is broken and the performers acknowledge the audience it's one of my favorite things. That's why I love Deadpool. Yeah. Deadpool does that all the time. Yeah. right? He just is like, i out you watching know, <laughs> i right now. <laughs> can you, <know>? you believe <laughs> this? Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> it's completely in there. so yeah. It's nuts. Yeah.
0: I don't think there's been a lot of that in the Star Trek universe that I can think of. No. You know. No, there hasn't been. Uh, that's one of the places that they don't really go. And I think it's, it's because they want that separation. You know, they want this to feel more otherworldly and that brings you a little bit too much into it if you, if you break that fourth wall. Yeah. Um, particularly now that they're, you know, like with Discovery in the 32nd century, you're I mean, we way blasted out ahead of anybody. So coming back to your, uh, you know, your president, President Rillick, I want to know more about how that went down, right? How did we get from the end of the Dominion War, uh, 800 years prior yeah. to now? Yeah, I don't know. You know there's a lot of questions what, that we have. What does Cardassia look like now? Yeah. What does Bejor look
1: like yeah. now? Yeah, are they no longer warlike? Are they right. no longer they, you know if one you know there can be one marriage? Maybe there can be others. So. I
0: would assume so. I mean, they, they they must. I mean, at the end of the war, they they pretty much are kind of not forced into uniting, but sort of, yeah. You know. You remember Chain of Command?
1: Oh, yeah. Right? Chain of Command, one of the great two-parters from Next Gen, right? Okay. I mean, David Warner, what a get to get him as, like, you know, the gull, right? But didn't he have a daughter? He did. And is she full
0: Cardassian? Zidell? Is that her name? No, that's uh, Gull Ducat's daughter. Uh, I can't remember her name. Wow, look at you pulling out the deep trivia. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Impressive.
0: She, well, Ducat is the one who has a half-Bajoran daughter, who's Zidell. Okay, think, and she's uh, half Bajor. I'm pretty sure, okay. yeah, if I remember correctly, yeah. And so mom was like what the Sally
1: Hemings of Bajor? Well, like one, of those like, like one of those, like a prisoner, like a prisoner. Okay, type, which is so so not Dukat,
0: really, you know, not a cons- by consent likely daughter. Okay, you know.
1: so very much kind of you know. But then
0: Dukat did care for her, so but I I doubt it went down. But he's still like a slave
1: yeah. oppressor, yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm still pretty much an oppressor. So I've got to gotta go back and watch Chain of Command again because I remember him bringing in the daughter. Yeah, and you know, doing the whole thing. So, yeah. so it was great stuff. They did a lot of good stuff with the Cardassians. They
0: really do. I I love that whole because let me see. So when did that come out? That was late '90s. No, early '2000s. No, it was late '90s. I like, think it was late '90s. I think it was late, 90s. 90s yeah. late '90s. Yeah, because because Star Trek was '87 through '95, and so it would have been overlapping with that. And yeah, the 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 balls it took to put like a huge Star Trek political thriller that wasn't set on a starship. Chain of command. <laughs> You're talking, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the whole DS9 series. Oh, the whole is DS9, okay. Is, like, you didn't put it on a starship yeah. and, you know, you made it all political. You didn't make it about the hero captain every single time. No, it was very political. Yeah. Right? That's the thing that uh, you know, since like
1: uh, months ago, it was probably like a, I can't even remember what the triggering thing was. But I made some comment referencing something about the original series on Twitter, right? And somebody like really took me to task and said, I hate when people bring politics into science fiction. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, where have you been? I mean, how do you not, right? That's what science fiction is. I mean, that's what the original series did. So often held a mirror up to what was going on in politics, right, not overtly, but in a way that you can't you know, really look away, right? right. Uh, this is like you kind of have to, you know? I mean, old episodes like, you know, A Taste of Armageddon, sure. I mean, things like that. I mean, it's always been a part of the whole thing there. And it's going to be again. I mean, I'm sure you're going to see science fiction shows that take a look, and here I go back again, Paul, but taking a look at what's going on with like Russia and and uh, Ukraine right now, and uh, it's going to end up being something that people look at in the future, you know, depending on how it all unfolds and stuff, you know, either heroically or tragically, yeah, you know, we don't know, so it's just crazy, but uh, that's the thing that's always appealed to me about the genre, right, because it's both, it lives on, it has two. it's a coin with two sides, mm-hmm. it's escapism, which is wonderful, and all this fantastical stuff that lets you, like, you know, rise aloft over your reality, but it's also got all this other commentary, mm-hmm. right, and all this other, I mean, that's just the great voices of science fiction have always sort of had some... You know, political bent to them in terms
0: of what they're trying to say, and cautionary tales. Right. and to me it's at its best when it doesn't answer all the questions no. when it asks the questions and it kind of leaves it up to you to yeah. sort of answer yeah. Yeah. what if this happened right. what becomes of us or yeah. what do we
1: do if we go down this what road what, of what happens yeah. what do we end up giving up what do we become mm-hmm. I and mean, I think that's a that's a question that you get asked, asked a lot in science fiction right if we do this what do we become mm-hmm. which, is, which is wild so it's... getting all ethereal here friends
0: no but it's important stuff and I think that's what science fiction can do better than anything else because it it can use these kind of like plot devices that other genres cannot use to ask those really difficult questions. And you can get that separation from reality enough that people are more willing to actually pay attention to it. And it's almost like insidious, right? They they don't realize they're watching, like you're saying, these people who say, you know, Star Trek why is it so political nowadays and you're like hello
1: like, <laughs> pretty much always you yeah,
0: know I mean especially like something like Ronald D.
1: Moore writing right oh, I mean yeah. that guy God. is political yeah. yeah. and I think he uses science fiction in the greatest possible way to make those points right really 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 well mm-hmm. um, you know I mean you just think about all science fiction and uh, that's that's a good thing I think so it's helpful it, you know it's like the you know the uh, what do you call it? the the pill popper for your dog? When you need to give your dog the medicine, right? And you wrap it in a tasty, sweet thing, that's but right. it's like, hey, you tricked me to have medicine, <laughs> <laughs> owner. <laughs> no fair! Can I have Hi. another? <laughs> Can I have another? You're right? <laughs> and then you're doing it again next week. So it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, it's this nuts. But uh, we shall see.
0: Uh, probably my favorite Cardassian, I think. I mean, Ducat was, was cool. I, you know, kind of by the end of DS9, the whole direction that they took his character, I'm not entirely sure, the whole power race thing, I don't know if you remember all of that or not. What was it again? He sort of becomes possessed by the the race of beings that are the antithesis of the wormhole mm. people. Gul Dukat did. Gul boy, I got to go back and watch some of those. Yeah, it's you got to watch again. It's uh, the very you know, Kai Wen is involved. Is in this the world. end of the series? That end of the series. Because that uh,
1: those story arcs I haven't watched since they first aired. Okay. So I haven't gone back and revisited
0: any of them. Yeah. So kind of like where Cisco ends up at the end, and you know where Dukat ends up at the end, and all that kind of stuff. I was not my favorite part of of Deep Space Nine okay. at all. Um, but Goldmar is my favorite Cardassian. and uh, I don't know if you remember him or not, but he's he has an amazing arc where he's obviously starts out as the slave oppressor and all that sort of stuff at the at the beginning. And by the end, He's basically fighting with the Bajorans and the Federation to on their side. On their side, really. And he has this like of all of the character, the overall character arcs. I mean, major characters notwithstanding, like Kira's arc and that kind of stuff. Damar is probably my favorite Cardassian arc over the course of the series. Oh, I'm gonna have to go back and definitely check deserves out a again. second watch. If you even if you just picked out some episodes that he's in, so you see how they develop his character over time pretty good
1: so he's kind of like the guy who uh i don't know if you ever watched star trek or Reb- star wars rebels
0: i'm so can i tell you i'm i i'm still watching it okay And i don't, I don't want to probably, say too much because well, no, we're I'm, in spoiler territory i'm two-thirds right? of the way through season four so i'm okay i'm getting close to the end but yeah.
1: in terms of like who somebody starts off to be and yeah. then becomes yes down the road yeah so uh Uh, Yeah. Don't tell me anymore. Okay. I'm not sure what you've seen, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to get into this. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But but when you've got somebody who starts off and realizes I'm fighting for the wrong side.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, the so Agent Callax. Agent Cal- okay. Okay, okay yeah, that's what you're right. talking about. It. It's
1: yeah. like uh, that that I never saw that coming as a I did not viewer either. of that show. Yeah, oh, it was just great. I'm like, I thought you're just such a bad guy. And yeah. then it turns out the whole time. Yeah. No. No. Nope. Playing the long con, the man. Playing the long con yeah. For multiple seasons. I was like, Wow, that's that's great. You never no, would have it. really such really, really
0: like he was chasing after them all the time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You know, that's Anthony, my son. That's his, the one Star Wars franchise thing he keeps, you know, he hasn't drank too deep of Star Wars. Okay. Yet, but man, does he love Rebels. Does he really? Well, oh, I don't know what it is, but uh, he loves that show. It's a great show. That's it the one he always is. goes back. He hasn't gotten excited about Clone Wars yet,
0: but boy, Rebels, he loves. Well, wow, Clone Wars is really, well, okay, so here's, Clone Wars is all this, like, big military stuff. Typically, yeah. And Rebels yeah. is like, we got to do this one mission we've got to do this other mission yeah. right? we got to go like get the plans or we got to steal the thing and got a gotta lot of the mythology, mythology of the Jedi yeah it's a lot it's really, you know, it really is oh and my gosh just... and they bring in everybody right they bring in Vader they bring in Maul they bring in like Ahsoka they bring in yeah all the all the heavy hitters yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm i got to at some point just accidentally uh, put
1: uh, Prodigy on for yeah. Anthony someday and see how that flies you know, I don't know if he's I couldn't think of that but we'll see. Yeah, maybe. he's gone down the road yet. Is uh,
0: he kind of familiar with Star Trek at all, or not really? Not no, really. no yeah. he hasn't
1: really. You know, yeah, uh, hasn't yeah. been exposed to it. Yet. Hasn't drank that Kool Aid yet. No, not yet. I <laughs> think he's just uh, still too youth oriented. All right, <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. Yeah, at some point, you know, in this house, you're gonna discover it. That's right. <laughs> it's, <we can't laughs> it's hard, hard to remember. avoid. <laughs> this house is very difficult, but the uh, but yeah, so crazy. Well, this is not disappointed the longer it's been open, this Canar, I will say. Um, It's gone all the way
0: down to the bottom of the spiral section of the bottle. Just the bulb left. And uh, I will say, to me, the flavor hasn't, it's evolved. It hasn't drastically changed. Like the, uh, felt like the bloodline, remember how it punched you in the face? Oh, yeah. And it was like super mellow about an hour later? Yeah. This is more consistent with what it, was like when we first opened it of course mellowing you know just with what introduction of oxygen or whatever yeah so the legs are amazing i just love sitting i've been staring at the legs (laughs) just tripped out i know (laughs) i know pretty amazing stuff so is petite verdot one of those grapes that is only used for mixing with other grapes
1: I believe so, yeah. It's uh it's like a Bordeaux blend. Um I think it ripens a lot later, um but I think it's uh it's not used I think more of like a a leavening type of component, I don't think it's done a lot by itself. Okay. I don't remember seeing a lot of, like, Petit Verdot a by it. itself, right? Right. I know that, like, Petit Syrah, I don't even think that they grow a lot of it in, like, France anymore. I think it's become the kind of thing that has really caught on, like, in America. Okay. Right? And they grow tons of it in, like, California, but I don't think they grow a lot of it in France anymore. Okay. I could be off, you know? Like I said, out of the game seriously for a while, but,
0: uh... But
1: I know what I like! <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know this does say copyright 2021 on it I wonder if it's a 2021 vintage they don't really tell you what the wine vintage is maybe, yeah. maybe it's a few vintages maybe that's what it is I mean this one in particular is a blend so I'd be interested to learn more uh, about when and where the grapes came from Well,
1: I'm sure you're going to find out because it's like we've uh, been lucky enough on your show to get like these great guests from like the wine company, and they always like bring tons of good background information with us. But it's like it's always interesting to get it and hear from them like after we've tried it, right? We're like, oh, that's what that was, yeah. right? And it's, it's it's a great contextual thing. So, uh, uh, but it's wonderful that they do this. I just, I, you know, I've, I've not encountered anything else that seems to tap into an entertainment franchise but do it in, like, a unique way that doesn't seem like, oh, we're just trying to make a buck, right? right? I don't get that vibe from from these cats at all, yeah. right? I think that they have, you know, pr- tremendous enthusiasm and professionalism for wine, but they are just trying to see, hey, here's a market that would probably appreciate this, mm-hmm. you know? I think they probably, if I had to guess, a lot of it came out of Next Gen, right, with the whole Chateau Picard thing and everything that mm-hmm. happens... You know, in that story arc, where we learned about that, we're like, hey, maybe there's this whole wine market within Star Trek that, you know, could be interesting to explore. Not like, let's exploit it kind of a thing, but like, this seems like a good fit. I mean, that's what it feels like to me, because they definitely uh, approach everything with a lot of reverence attention to detail, which I think is something that the fans really appreciate. I know I do, because it's like, oh, this doesn't seem like some, this is in no way like some
0: cash grab thing. There's a lot of, you know, fealty and uh, reverence for that stuff. And I think that's great. So I like that it's a different thing that people can collect that's not a plate or a figure or a, you know, it's it's like a It's like something you could enjoy, you could ingest and enjoy. And share with other people. And share with other people.
1: Because I'll tell you, this is a great vehicle, if you will, to help lure other members of the family into your, you know, zeal. If they're not already there, right? It's like, okay, this is a great way. I'm getting, oh, it's weird. As you get further down the bottle, you have less of that gurgling. I think it's, Because you don't have the, the...
0: it doesn't get stopped up. Yeah, you don't right. have that
1: weird vortex kind of thing the glass. Now
0: it's a, clean, a cleaner core. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating how that works. But that was fun at the beginning of it. I know. Mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was <kind> of crazy.
1: <laughs> it was crazy. But yeah, this is the way it's like, you know, okay, your wife doesn't like science fiction or whatever, right? She's like totally against Star Trek, but she likes wine. Yeah. It's so like, yeah, Good maybe, you it. know, let's go ahead and, uh, you know, it just happened happen to get a hold of this. Uh, you know, red wine, and it's actually a Star Trek wine. Yeah. And she's not going to have a bad reaction to it. She's going like, to wow, this is great. Yeah. So,
0: Or he, or whatever the situation may be. And like, then you can regardless just... Regardless of gender. Or... And then you can sort of uh, slide in the, the the back door and bring the Star Trek information on the side. Exactly.
1: Oh. I know this is referenced in yeah. many episodes. I could right. tell you about Let me tell you about it. detail. Let tell you
0: how Worf likes his blood Let <laughs> Hilarious Let's tell you how Ducat likes his gait Exactly. <laughs> So funny, but yeah, good stuff.
1: So uh, again, absolutely. now of course, immediately it's like the pressure becomes okay. What's it that be
0: next? Well, so we have. Uh, I and you have the Andorian blue that's still out there. We definitely have the Andorian blue, and and you're uh, gonna save Chateau Picard. That's, for, that's, that's the old vines in is the is the the cap the, the bookend at the end of this because or excuse me, not the Chateau. I wanna I don't wanna save the Chateau. I wanna save the old vines in. You wanna save the old vines in. As well, I think so. It's I mean we I don't know, what do you think? We could either save the Picard or the old vines in. What are the varietals in the Picard? Is it all cab? I will tell you that it is <laughs> I happen to know off the top of my head, eighty five percent Cabernet Sauvignon and fifteen percent Merlot. Okay. Uh, a bright, fresh, clean tasting style. The wine spent fourteen months in oak seventy percent seasoned and thirty percent new. So it'll be a little oakier, the Chateau Picard. That's the Chateau Picard. So that's the Bordeaux.
1: And then the other one's Old Vines then. Correct. Which is gonna be
0: To me that's the one that like I kinda wanna say that for the last okay one, it's the one that I even though it's not the Chateau Picard it's the grape that I like when I go to buy wine you get a Zin I usually get a Zin yeah. or something like that yeah. yeah oh there's some good ones out there bro. yeah oh my yeah. god I would love to know more recommendations because yeah. I'm sure that there are some that I have just missed along the way nah. yeah yeah. There's, there's, something. there's something about, well, and then when I moved here to Portland, I learned about the volcanic soil mm. and why, like, Zinfandels like volcanic soil, which is why, you know, the best ones are kind of grown either up here in the Northwest or in Northern California or other places where the, whatever the minerals are that need to be put into the soil to make it Volcanic soil, soil it, right? Yeah, it's volcanic. Yeah. I don't know what the actual mineral, if it's sulfur or what it is, but some sort of things that go into it that make it good for growing woody plants and Zinfandel grapes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. So I well, think we say the, the old vines, vines in for last. And, so we sa- and then we said we were going to kind of alternate reds and whites, so to me it seems like the Andorian blue Chardonnay is next. I was thinking that myself, so that's good. And then we go Chateau Picard, and then we go old
1: vines yeah, in. Yeah, and then we really finish up with some serious red. That's good i like it well now i know where to get you because i know you're such a zen guy
0: oh yeah yeah now
1: now you're in trouble because at some point i got to thank you for all this right and for being you know (laughs) transported into your uh into this exercise has been quite lovely so
0: you know i'm going to be able to you know tip that appropriately well i will certainly appreciate that um that you know I'm always into like tit for tat you buy me a beer I buy you a beer (laughs) I'm into that (laughs) actually good to know it doesn't mean you need to bring me six bottles (laughs)
1: <laughs> we'll
0: just cue the helicopter. Right. Right, right down here. Right? Just <laughs> Drop it right here. Yeah, in this guy's backyard. There's lots of room. I have to tell you that I was a little, um, we're about one week off from it working out just perfectly because this week we're actually going to have Noah Aberback-Katz on the show, who's the gentleman that played Rin on Star Trek Discovery. Oh, that, the
1: Andorian guy. The Andorian. And yeah, so he's,
0: he's actually going to be on the show this week. Um but we'll drink the Andorian what so maybe maybe I'll ask him uh you know an Andorian wine question. In oh, you better give him a heads up email, man. <laughs> he has some ideas. Like what am I supposed to say to that? I'm calling my agent right now. Oh uh, well, he's he's a wonderful guy. We've had him on the show before too, and he was super friendly and just nice, and probably would just kind of roll with it. So. Okay. Well, you know, any good actor's going to improv, right? So of he's going to be able to. Oh sure, let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> what really makes my lack of antenna unfurl is. <laughs> you know what I always wanted was. I always wanted that, like, level of detail where they show how Rin's balance is worse than another Andorian's because his intent oh, was, you know, man. something like that. Uh, can you imagine? I mean, that must be, like, you a major sensing <laughs> or Physical for therapy but. for six months, right, yeah. to kind of, you know, overcome that disability. For sure. Right? So. You have to retrain your whole body to move uh, properly Wow. So, what makes Cardassians so Cardassian like they so they come from a kind of an arid gross planet, I think that maybe has lots of industry um, you know, my guess is a if I had to guess, yeah, right. Uh, harsh
1: environment. Yeah, I'm just I'm getting all Terran here, like sure. Earth, right? But harsh environments often put you in a situation where you uh, don't have enough resources, right? And if your resources are stretched thin and you don't have enough stuff to adequately keep your population supplied, you start to covet what other people have. Mm-hmm. Right? At least that's what. Unfortunately, it seems to happen in history a lot. Sure, right? you're like, okay, well, gosh, they have all these minerals and all this food and all these things like that, and they're just over the next mountain mm-hmm. there. And
0: uh, so. it's easier to go do that. Than so maybe they're to, maybe
1: yeah. in Cardassia Prime, like a, I mean, I don't know. Let's ask Una. Yeah. Right. But yeah. maybe they're a a resource deficient environment. I
0: would guess they are.
1: And and that's what sort of prompted
0: this kind of take what you want ethos. that they had I don't know because they obviously have a not as much as a Klingon you know warlike society but you know you look at for example their phasers on their ships so their Galar class you know they're they're really really powerful phasers and and their shields are like a little underdeveloped compared to their phasers or you know that sort of thing so you know that they're going for attack offense aggression um, grabbing resources yeah like you're saying so interesting but, but, but they do it. The thing about the Cardassians versus like the Klingons or somebody is that they do it smartly. They're they're a little Romulan in that way, right? Yeah they're, like, right? yeah, they're kind of Machiavellian. Yeah, they they they're sneaky guys. Right? right, they have their whole thing. Yeah and that's not even that's just their base level of culture nevertheless the obsidian order on top of that oh god that's right yeah <laughs> just like the SS right that's Right. essentially yeah the SS of the SS yeah. <laughs> oh
1: man terrible yeah crazy stuff but yeah I like it this is another winner friends without question
0: I'm liking it a little bit more over time to tell you the truth <sighs> I like it better now than I think I did an hour ago.
1: And what you say the difference is in terms of like the taste or the effect on your palate now versus at that previous hour, So
0: what changed? What I'm personally noticing is it, it almost did like the opposite of what the other two did, which was come forward with that sweeter taste and then have it kind of get mellower or drier over time. This one started out, I, the tannins, I think were yeah. really forward for me. Too acidic at first? At first. You're saying? Okay. Yeah, maybe, yeah, for my palate. And then as time has gone by, the flavor has become more complex to me. And I'm tasting more of the fruity stuff kind of behind all of that dryness. I'm getting of more things. of that blueberry. A little bit, yeah. Like that last tip I just took was really sweet around the edges of my tongue. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So now for what that's worth
1: well that's the fun thing about uh, <laughs> uh, about having a glass of wine right It's just like it it does change over time right it's not like it's consistent the entire time right right you listen to you know a cut of music mm-hmm. right it's the same pretty much all the time, mm-hmm. even if different speakers are involved it's mm-hmm. the same thing mm-hmm. but uh, but wine evolves mm-hmm. and it evolves as long as uh, the longer it's exposed to the air and you get more familiar with it and it changes a little bit it's, it's you're kind of going a little bit
0: of a journey with. A bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. Which is wild. That's the thing that fascinates me is it's uh it feels like something that is right on that line between science and art.
1: Oh god, completely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think there's the same for any, any type of alcohol yeah. that's produced, I think it's the same way. Especially like you know, you hang out with like brewers, right? Oh my god. It's uh it's definitely craft. Like it's like ferocious craft, Mm -hmm. right? But there's also a lot of just personality Mm -hmm. and art that goes in there yeah. for being able to do that. The so that choice
0: it, of the person making it.
1: And, yeah. yeah, so, you know, it's like, I lean this way and I think it would be really cool if we did this, right? And it's experimentation. This mm. is science.
0: Yeah. And
1: a lot of science is experimentation, right? Trying to see what happens. A hundred
0: times. Yeah, I think it would
1: be really cool if we did this. I mean, there's crazy things they add to beer, right? I mean, all kinds <laughs> <Yeah>. of nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> Some <Like, trusty> people <laughs> add, like, Snickers bars <laughs> to ales, right? right. And, you know, all kinds of nonsense. Chocolate, stouts, <laughs> and right. things. is crazy. Yeah, it turns out. I uh, don't, don't quite go down the, but I think every now and then, probably, my guess is that folks will occasionally add something unusual to the winemaking process that just never gets revealed. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is my thing. I'm going to put this in here. We'll see what happens. And when notices, probably won't. But, you know, no harm, no foul. So who knows what secrets may lie mm-hmm.
0: within uh, these various areas.
1: Uh, Absolutely.
0: I don't know. I'd love to know more about the the process of blending and how you decide which. Well, I mean, obviously you're going for a certain flavor profile. So I would guess, as the person who makes these wines, it is just trial and error. You're just trying to mix different amounts of things together. But I wonder how it works. Like, you can't you can't macro make a whole bunch of batches of wine and try them out, right? So you got to try this on a micro scale until you get it right. You would. I think I don't yeah, know the grapes are different every year. And the grapes are right? different, yeah. you know? different every year. The weather every year is different. Yeah. Right. It's
1: just like it's and they're different where you live. Mm. Right. It's like okay, we were talking about and this doesn't have like pure Syrah. I don't know, I think. Right. We established that, but like yeah. Syrah, right? Incredible, incredible grape varietal. I mean, Syrah is just I mean, out of control. It's so great, right? But it's going to be different in France. In like the Rhone, where it comes from, it's going to be different California. And then in Australia, it's not even called Syrah, it's called Shiraz, right? Those are the same grapes? That's the same thing, right? I did yeah, Shiraz is basically like Australian Syrah, okay. essentially. You know, I mean, kiss and cousin, what have you, there's going to be differences, but essentially it comes from the same varietal, right? But the climate and the temperature in Australia—that's crazy town. Okay, it's yeah. hot as hell down there. Yeah. Right. So you get all kinds of crazy things and super rich, and dense. I love Malbatt. Forward, right? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I feel like criminal area for me that I have way late in the game, getting used to exploring uh didn't get into it until comparatively recently but man there are some crazy good wines coming out of south america mm. oh my you want to have malbec mm-hmm. and some of those uh, there's some really really great mm-hmm. wines coming out of like argentina and places like that mm-hmm. right, where there's like you know cattle country there's a lot of beef grown there and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff they like they appreciate a good red wine mm-hmm. in these environments right and uh it's there's some great wine regions
0: down there, man. And like, wow, it's amazing how uh, the. I mean, of course it's a plant, and I think that we have this kind of expectation that when a, a when something is manufactured, it's going to be the same every single time. Right. And wine and, uh, is not that way uh, at yeah. all. No, it's
1: like some of you get an amazing vintage. You're like, wow, this is like, you know. Yeah. You know, stop the presses. Yeah. This is going to be an incredible year. Yeah. But then, what's it like when it ages too? You don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's uh, it's the unknown, which mm-hmm. is you know, another science fiction thing, right? The unknown, it is. not really being sure. Experimentation in science, so it's it's pretty wild. Eric is determined to make sure that we're 100. Uh, percent Consistent with our history of never letting a bottle remain undranked. Oh,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe I, apparently I'm he liking is dedicated. this. Dedicated. Yeah, I guess it's like I'm,
0: he's like I didn't like it at first. He said I'm liking it more and more. Uh, I would say because my uh, the speed with which I'm drinking this is definitely increasing. Um, yeah, you're all the way. You're out of impulse speed now, man. You're up
1: to at least warp four. Warp to warp four speed here.
0: I love the way this bottle looks. So we're. We're pouring the very last little bit of wine here, and the bottle just with its 100% clear glass, I was wondering what it was going to look like once it was empty, it's making all sorts of interesting patterns as light refracts through. Truly, truly. Yeah. And bizarrely, I don't know if this is a glass or what, boy, you hear that,
1: that's glass. That is definitely glass. no question, <laughs> but I mean, I'm like anybody else, right? I, you know, when you pour wine, don't you just normally dribble a little bit? A little bit, everyone.
0: I don't. Do you see any red on this table? It's a white table. What happened with it? Maybe this bottle is a more efficient pourer than most wine. Bottles. Maybe it's something to do with the lip. I Could don't be. know. On there, but but man, there's like
1: not a drop still on, on the edge of the bottle. Or there was potential for that to happen here. It would be all over the place. But no, not incredible. <laughs> so it's just an odd observation. <laughs> Because if there's anything that's a unifying theme for Eric and I getting together, it's odd <laughs> observations.
0: <laughs> we notice them. <things. laughs>
1: <laughs> it seems to always be the deal, right? Yeah, it's true. All right. True. Sweet. I like it. Yeah, this is
0: a good one. Well, uh, like you said, we've, we're three for three Yeah. Uh, so far. Um, two r- relatively, like, loud wines even the white was
1: kind of loud right yeah.
0: oh that was you know I was uh, that I was mean, right. I really liked light, that a lot I was just yeah. like
1: that surprised me I was like oh that would be like oh the white wine okay whatever I was kind be of expecting to have such a you know I didn't expect to be as involved and engaged in that one as I was and it was Terrific. It was really a good reminder of, mm-hmm. of, of you know. so my hope is that we can have a similar experience with the Andorian
0: Chardonnay, mm-hmm. right? And is this, when you say blue, is it actually blue so or the I, bottle it, is blue? No, so what I, I tested this the other day. So I took the bottle and I kind of turned it sideways so that the little bit of air that was ah. at the top bubbled its way towards the bottom okay. of the bottle. The glass. It is not the glass. It is 100% the wine. What? The glass is clear. 100%. You're a kid. No. So I don't know if they just added food coloring or if they added blueberries or what they did. But it So that's a whole thing. Right? Is, like, oh, is actually... Oh, we're going to have
1: to look into this before. Right. We need to do our homework before <laughs> we sit yeah. down. Yeah. So Paul's not making a crazy up crazy fat What's line? <laughs> well, I believe they, uh, <laughs> the city caught me It's like, no, we need it up. It's got friggin' blue layers. Wow, that's great. That's great. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but that's cool, because it's really adhering to theme. It is. It is. And I was a little worried that it was just going to be the bottle, but no, it is absolutely the wine itself. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah. And that one is the one that's uh, just a really nice... also design it's got kind of this like real smooth real tall thin and almost looks like a i don't know it reminds me of like the way they design skyscrapers these days where they're just really tall and thin because it's a companion
1: bottle to the uh United Federation of well, Planets. One, the Federation.
0: No, Isn't it? Uh, no, the, no. You're thinking of the so the old vines in and oh, the, the old vines. Okay. Or the just the uh, uh, block. block right, okay. the companion. Okay. Yeah, I'm getting it because I'm not looking at them, so I'm like. Yeah, this favorite. one's like a circular bottle, and it just is more rather than having those other ones have that inverted shape that kind of is small at the bottom and large at the top. God, this it. literally tapers way up like a tall skyscraper. Yeah. Okay. So very cool. Should be interesting. Yeah. Now, Andorian wine, how do you grow grapes on an ice planet again? Well, they are an (laughs) ice planet, aren't they? They're like an ice moon, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, my Andorian (laughs) knowledge is a little (laughs) sketchy, brother, I have to admit, right? Well, the problem is that uh, Andorian lore was really only developed in Enterprise at all. Right, I mean, at TNG completely ignored. There was one Andorian in TNG and it was in the episode. It wasn't even a real Andorian. Oh, what
1: a great question.
0: Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there you go. There's your trivia. What's the one time that an Andorian <laughs> appears in TNG?
1: Oh, God. And I don't
0: I know think, if I can answer that. I, I, don't, I can give you a hint in that it's not really an Andorian appearing, uh, but it has to, more to do with another character and i'll even go further that's related to data literally related like to lore data. or his wow, wow.
1: Oh, there's one of the optional bodies Yes. that were put on... Uh, wow, right. and that's
0: the only time? The only time an Andorian he shows was? up in PNG. Yeah. Oh, my Which goodness. is why that Andorian looks so much weirder. It's got, like, this big head. It's got, like, white hair all over it. antennas everywhere. Yeah. So, anyway, Enterprise and Shran and his whole gang of dudes is really the only place that Andorians are developed at all in Star Trek. I, I mean, aside from, like, Journey to Battle, where they, you know... Yeah, because I'm old so school, but, right? Yeah.
1: I mean, I always, like, I love all of the franchises, but I always, you know, yeah. You never forget your first love, right? right? So I always gravitate back to yeah you know, original series. Yeah. Pretty much without sorry young folk. But
0: <laughs> But in Enterprise, I mean, but you get like the Ushan yeah. ceremonies and like you get all a little bit more Andorian yeah. culture.
1: But uh, I remember the, the actors that they cast, uh-huh. right, to play the Andorians. Uh-huh. On, uh, they were top dollar. They were great. Oh, yeah. Like Reggie Nalder. Do you know Reggie Nalder? Mm-hmm. Right? He was a really creepy character actor. I don't know if he was uh, Romanian or what his background is, but he was just always like your go-to guy for like the creepiest looking dude, right? And he was like the the more senior, you know, kind of... Background uh, like like the smarter uh, of the Andorians and the Babel, right? But if you remember Salem's Lot. Yeah, sure. Okay, the when you finally get a look at the master vampire, like Mr. Barlow. Mm-hmm. That's Reggie Alder, dude. He was great. He was just, like super, super creepy looking. Oh, I think god. he like played like ninety five different villains on Mission Impossible. Right? Oh was, my god! He was always on that show. Oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah, so so good stuff. Well, mm, I have to do a little Andorian uh, research, perhaps watch some uh, some good Enterprise. I haven't watched an Enterprise episode in a long time.
0: You know, it's one of those series that I think a lot of people still kind of rip on but when I go back and watch it it has enough good stuff in there that I really consider it legit like did they draw some plot uh, lines a little too long yes you know should there have been a fifth season to really close everything up yes yeah because I remember the last season I felt like they were really getting going and then they had that awful, awful ending, which is the absolute worst yeah. closing episode of any Star Trek show ever. Yeah, it, yeah. it's it's uh,
1: that was awful. You know, but I'm telling it's, you, it's rough getting past that theme song, man. That was okay. that was a, that was the thing a lot of folks had. I think that was a killer for a lot of folks who were
0: like, I can't. <laughs> I, you know, it's just like I've talked about that on the show about how I think there there are expectations for Star Trek and you are trying to set a mood right from the beginning, and even something as simple as the theme song can really affect that, right? Yes. And, and the thing is, is that the graphics during the opening credits of Enterprise are almost flawless. They show the evolution of space travel. It's like documentary exactly. like and it's cool. It's so cool. Yeah. Like it's just, now, imagine if it had a better soundtrack. Yeah. I mean, you
1: want like a Jerry Goldsmith kind of symphonic stuff, so right? like
0: that, yeah. Just
1: but like, uh, you know, and even say what you will, I'm sure the people involved had the best of intentions, but man, does it sound dated now. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, whoa. It does. It's, it's, It sounds
0: like when my daughter hears that theme song, she says, is that from the 80s? And that just goes to show you, right? It's 20 years, like she thinks it's 20 years older than it is. is But
1: it's like, I think it was off-putting to a lot of people, right? It's like if you are going on a blind date with somebody, you meet them and they have a really obnoxious laugh. (laughs) You know, and it's really like
0: <laughs>
1: you know, one of those kind of, you're like, Oh man, I'm sorry, I'm gonna attempt to check, I just can't it's go through like before can get it. Yeah, I don't see the potential here, I gotta go. And you could be missing out on something great, but it's just like it's a it's right. the record needle. Right. Sorry, records for this thing they used to have where you, you
0: know. oh see the, the, the actually the years of they're coming back though they are they, they are, are coming are back, back. So, you know, I mean, they're vintage
1: vinyl mm-hmm. friends but you know the <sighs> you're know, like oh yeah. but yeah it was it was painful it was just that that was a, that was the thing but I, I don't have the venom for that show that a lot of people do mm-hmm. I mean see that fondness for just about all of Star Trek mm-hmm. you know Um for me, it's just like the one I think is still like the the one that doesn't get in the props—the animated series.
0: Yeah, They yeah. did Some great stuff on that. They did some great stuff on that, and you know, we've talked about it yesterday or before, which is just one of the best. Oh yeah. Like hands-down episodes of Star Trek, no matter what type of Star Trek ever. Um, but there's some other great ones. But wouldn't you like? So let's go back to <laughs> let's go back to the animated series a little bit. So we've talked about this on the show. Let me ask you a question. Where do you think fifty foot tall Spock is these days?
1: Oh man! <laughs> what? Kind of... Wow! You really does the phrase "sucker punch" mean anything to, to you? <laughs> I am not prepared to answer that question. I just, to
0: me, I love that because you know he's still out there. You're at somewhere he is. Yeah. He's still out there, and, and I just wonder if he's like doing his own thing, or if he's still hanging out with the giant dudes, or he's, the next you know. time
1: someone asks uh, to do a Pacific Rim sequel, hey. I think we should bring him in and we have fifty
0: foot Spock versus the kaiju. I love. Yeah, him.
1: exactly. He's yeah. on the side of the uh, the Jaegers, yeah. right? And yep. let's just go down that road because okay. let's keep it size appropriate, right? Doesn't even need a pilot, yeah, nor two. Yeah. <laughs> now you get me thinking of like old. Uh, Japanese monster movies I grew up with. Mm. Um, I don't know if you know War of the Gargantuas. Oh, no, I don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is not one that rings true to me. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, it's, it's wonderfully awful genius. It is great. It's, it's so good. Okay. Uh, I would it'd love to be... Uh, I'm sure there's folks listening who know War of the Gargantuas, right? It's fun. from the Toho Godzilla era of, sure. like, the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah. It's just like, everyone is dudes in suits, yeah. right? We're not doing any CG. It's yeah. like, okay, you're dudes in you suits. You don't need it. No, and you're fighting, and you're horrible monsters, and... It's great. Yeah. So just trust me. At some point...
0: I will check that one. At
1: some point, yeah, when you're like, it's two in the morning, for some reason Eric can't sleep because, you know, whatever. Right. He's like, I don't know, just, you know. I did see... I think you should expect uh, an unsolicited YouTube clip to come your way at some point. I think I'll, I'll get I love
0: you I I'll idea. get you in that way. I love, <laughs> I love that idea. Well, I'm, I'm the type of guy who loves the movies that are so bad that they're good. Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, I've tried to convince everyone else in my family that they're amazing. You yeah. know, I'm a huge Ed Wood fan. Yeah. Uh, like, and that
1: room next door there, the one I warned you about, okay, it's got a preposterous number of Blu-rays and movies in there. It's oh. disturbing. At some point, I'll pull, I'll pull. Little, let you have a, you know. Okay. I mean, it's, it's very difficult to navigate. It's kind of like smaller than making your way through the corridors of a submarine and it's super, it's like, oh shit, <laughs> oh God, how oh but it's just ridiculous, dude. It's so bad. But there's lots of movies in there, man. I mean, wow. Pretty much every movie I've ever, you know, had a Jones for, it's wrapped it's in there awful. somewhere. So I love It's bad. But I like it. What do you gonna do? I know many of our listeners are the same way. I suspect listeners to this show, if you ask them, have
0: prodigious movie and TV uh, collections. I would bet. Uh, in their home video area. Yeah. And and perhaps it's something about friends of mine. I have another friend uh, who is really into Transformers. Mm. And so if you want to know anything about Transformers, <laughs> he has a room like this. And it's all Transformers? But for Transformers. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and we're talking ones that are from this high down to you know, this high because they come in all sorts of weird scales yeah. and from all sorts of weird manufacturers from all over the world and, yeah. Cool. Yeah, and his, uh, his uh, he's not even the guy I'm talking about. His wife <laughs> is really into horror movies and they have a closet that's, yeah, you know, the size of like half of this wall that's just dee- dee- uh, yeah. I don't uh, know how many that is, but it's a uh, lot. It's a few hundred. It's I a guess. few hundred, yeah. at least, yeah. But I love it, man. I like
1: physical media over uh over streaming. I mean, I stream a lot, yeah. but physical media is great, especially with, like, you can get a much richer image. And, when, it,
0: and when the Internet goes down, you still got, you can still yeah. watch
1: it, you know? All, I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't care what platform you show me. You show me, like, your 4K digitized streaming image, and then I slam in a, a 4K disc, you you're just going to blow down. it away. Yeah. It's so much more image resolution. Yeah. It's just like, and shameless plug, if you've not science fiction, if you haven't watched a 4K of Dune yet, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Holy Guacamole. Okay. Oh, my God. It's just like, that's your demo reel right there, man. uh uh-huh. I'm happy to... Oh,
0: yeah. Uh, how long are we going to have to wait for that, that next version of the... Or the chapter second, two? The second half of the Uh Word has it he's shooting this summer. Okay. Yeah,
1: I mean, they got the green light and okay. everyone's, you know, pre-committed, it sounds like, so I think they're, from what I understand, and big knock wood. Looks like the pandemic's finally winding down. You know, so barring anything crazy that happens, uh, please be careful during spring break, friends out there, so we don't take two giant steps back. But it sounds like uh, he's, hes I mean, they got the release date locked. Oh, he's, do they? Yeah. He's, oh. Okay. You know, kind of, uh, shameless, embarrassing... Confession, I like that movie so much, right? I (laughs) wanted to flight back from this New York trip, right, to the funeral we had to go to. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, I didn't have any headphones with me, right, at all. You know, Anthony's over there in his seat watching his thing, right? And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to pay 50 bucks for Wi-Fi. I'm going to watch the free whatever movies on the back of the headrest. And I'm like, okay, what do they have subtitles for? Because I don't have headphones, right?
0: You watch that whole movie. I watched it
1: <laughs> <I watched laughs> 18th time. I watched Dune again with, with the subtitles, which, really, yeah. which is cool to do because it's like you don't have the music or the audio to distract you. Mm-hmm. You're just focusing on the shot composition and the editing, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting exercise to go through. I mean, this, unfortunately, the screen is the size of a piece of toast, but like you know, but you're really getting a chance to like just yeah, go there, right. I can
0: imagine that, like, especially if you've seen it multiple times and you kind of already have a concept of where it's going. That would be a fun way to watch it. And I freaking love that movie. Every time I see it, it's better than last. I get something else out of it. Right? How else. did they do that? How did they like finally interpret the thing correctly?
1: Uh, I, one cat's vision, man. Yeah. And and real and I think he really embraced fealty to the uh, source material. Yeah. And he knew how to compress and tell a story with economy. Mm-hmm. Right? So he didn't like repeat himself or do a bunch of nonsense. Mm-hmm. He He really did a good job. So... So, what do you like to read? Let me ask you that. I'm going to be selfish. What do you like to read? Do you ever read any fantasy, or is it just science fiction?
0: It's mostly science fiction. The deepest that I have gone into fantasy is... So... So, first of all, I don't like Dragon and knights Okay. And that kind of stuff. That's like, good. I'm just not even interested in... Not going down that road. ...in, like, Games of Thrones or anything like that. It just, I don't even get into that kind of stuff. Because fantasy can go a lot of different directions. I can go a lot of different directions. The one uh, caveat is, I will say, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. I mean, I read all of those when I was a kid. Okay. I've read them many, many times over the years. Pretty impressed with the movies and that kind of stuff. Um, still love the books more than anything else, but...
1: But, if there was a fantasy, if there was a genre that you thought you had a handle on but somebody had a different approach to, and it was different and maybe
0: upended your expectations mm-hmm. a little bit, would yeah. that be potentially intriguing? I would be interesting or interested in yeah. that, yeah, okay. for sure. Uh, but mostly, I read science fiction, I read, uh, but then I also have a secret side. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, whoa.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shh, people. I know. Don't tell anybody. That'd be cool. Um, I love romance stories. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. So, um, I love like I remember when, um, when all those Anne Rice novels came out, like The Interview with the Vampire and all of those. Really, really love those books. Um, Strangers in Paradise. If you, I don't know if you've read that comic book or not. You're not I'm from familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, 2000s, yeah. is one of my favorites. I just love the. The way they develop these characters and the relationships, and kind of like they go through all the things that human beings go through, and it just is a great kind of reflection of the things that we all felt at one point in our lives, and you know came back around to. So, so I do like that stuff. But mostly, I read science fiction. So probably I probably I belong to Comixology. I don't know if you use that or not. Mm. It's, It's digital comic books. It's five bucks a month. Okay. And they hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of free books. So I read, I don't know, probably three or four hundred pages of comic books a week. So how's
1: your bandwidth for reading
0: right now? I mean, I always Max? Had, I always have... Well, I've always got room. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what should I read?
1: Well, I was going to suggest maybe a book uh, to read that someone you might know Yeah. <laughs> did. Yeah. Uh, which is me. And, uh, oh, yeah. that's
0: right. You wrote. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. And, you
1: know, here's what I would say to you, right? I would say you should read, like, 30 pages of it. Okay. Okay? And not feel obligated. Because right? there's nothing worse than, like, some friends Yeah, and it sucks, and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. And, like, you know, you're freaking obligated. Yeah. You don't want that. No. But if you want to keep going after 30 pages, you
0: should. Okay. All right? Okay. But, you know. I would absolutely be into checking that out. Yeah. I don't even want to know any, like, preview stuff necessarily. Okay, I'm not even going to give it a log log. Because it just, I mean, unless you'd like to do that. I I just, all right, give me me a little something. Give me a little something. Okay, well, it's, I would call it, uh,
1: I almost hesitate to use the word fantasy, right? Um, After... Because it, it seemed to evoke knights and you know castles and shit for you, and dragons, and it's not knights and castles and dragons okay, at all. Okay,
0: so fantasy that's not that stuff. I would say do.
1: it's more supernatural fantasy, there we go. or taking the idea of what you might say a supernatural fantasy, and taking the rule book for that and turning it upside down and making it a little different, Okay. with strong history going on there. So there's a big historical
0: bent to it. Can I tell you that history and anthropology are two of my favorite sub- you're subjects? D- Okay.
1: <laughs> Get ready to hit the mute button, friends. <laughs> Sorry, I'm restraining myself. and you're gonna kind of dig the hell out of this. Okay, good. I really think it might be right up your street. Okay. It's, cool. Uh, it it kind of goes down a, but it's.
0: I'm fascinated with that kind of uh, thing.
1: Trying to sell this book. um because I've already written the, the second one, I'm mm. so not waiting. Oh, until wow. you know, I sell the first one to you. Be 95 years old, right? This is yeah. a, i just, This is what I do for fun. I enjoy writing these things. So uh, written the second one. Trying to uh, you know get feedback on it, okay. but you can't read that until you read the first one. It won't no, make no, any no. sense. You'd be like, "What the hell is this?" Who right? Are these people, what yeah? I mean, what the heck? I mean,
0: it's just completely you know make no sense to you. So you have a plan? Like, is there a trilogy, or is there? Or are you just sort of like going as you go? I think or? I can
1: do more than three. I think it's because uh, it's like if you run out of eras of history or characters, it's time to be done. But I haven't, and I, I feel like there's a whole universe of, of stories this thing lends itself to. Okay. And uh, I, this is where I like playing. I don't plan on stopping. Awesome. You know, And if no one ever buys it or ever publishes it, that's fine. And this is what I do for fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm cool with that. But it's it's been incredibly entertaining for the last couple of years to write two of these books. And it's just been, this is my sweet spot.
0: It's where I want to be. So. Okay, so now I need to know the title. Violet. Violet, okay. By Paul Carson. Yeah. I love it. Okay. So, yes. So please, that's what you get. Okay. Please forward me a copy. I will at least read thirty pages, and then if I feel like it deserves it, I'll keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: mean, I suspect you'll <laughs> be where it sounds like I, I will. I, I think you'll be okay. I might even give you like a if you know just get to this page. Yeah. Right. So right. It might be beyond thirty pages, but yeah, it's like,
0: just get to here.
1: Okay. Because then I don't think you're turning back. I okay. think you're done. Okay. Good. So good. Good. But good lord, navigating the world of publishing is just
0: can't even imagine and I mean I you know I keep hearing these things like oh you can self-publish now but what does that even mean I, I don't know it's just it,
1: uh, you still I'm sure get there's all kinds of it. ways going about it but I'm kind of old school as I keep repeating over and over again and I'm learning you know to find a balance between what works in the old ways and the new ways but mm-hmm. you know I want to be in a bookstore Mm-hmm. On a shelf, yeah, and the physical copy, yeah, of said book, you know. But I don't know if I necessarily want to commit everything to Amazon either, because sure. I know that's an option, and I don't really want to self-publish because I'm like, I want to feel like I, you know,
0: yeah, earned it. They're out there, right?
1: Like they want it, right? You know, and I think it's pretty ridiculously commercial. So okay, yeah, I think I'm super excited to read it. I really am. Yeah. Yeah. If me, I'd be like, you know, I write the story I want to read that no one's making. Mm -hmm. Right? This is the movie I want that no one's making, or TV series, or whatever. No one else is doing this, so
0: I need it. So it's like if I want to see the story, I got to write it myself. That's right, and that is what is amazing to me because people like you can actually organize all that stuff in their head and put it down on paper, which is something that I do not have the skill for. It's just not in my. It would take me so much effort to just. Parse it all
1: out. What's going on in my head? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a fun exercise. Yeah. Right. But I like crossword puzzles, so it's like the yeah. same kind of thing. It's like yeah. you sure. basically are just sort of mapping this whole thing out, doing yeah. this thing, and it takes on a life of its own. Where they do the characters start doing stuff you didn't plan, mm-hmm. which is really fun when you get down that street. It's yeah, like okay, but, didn't see. <laughs> Don't know where that came from, but, <laughs> but we seem to be going down that road. So there you go. So pretty wild. Awesome. All right. All right. I'm definitely reading. It. Like how I just sort of shoehorn that into your life there with
0: no permission. It's like I'm 100% okay <laughs> with that because I read. Like I said, I read hundreds of pages a week, yeah. like between novels and comic books and stuff. And I'm always. And the thing is, is like when. So I'm also a musician, and I listen to a ton, a ton of music, and I. I'm almost always seeking out something new. Okay. I'm a huge consumer, right? I'm just okay. like, Good. I, I always want the latest and the greatest and the newest and something I haven't heard before and um, something that's interesting or technically kind of, cool or, yeah, so.
1: Well, if I thought it was even remotely potentially boring, I wouldn't even... Yeah. I just think it's the other way. Absolutely. Yeah, so I think it's it's super entertaining and fun. Awesome. So hopefully,
0: you'll see. But, you know, if you don't, you won't. Yeah. No, so I'm not worried. Sounds like a uh, Trek-talking review to me. But it has nothing to do, nothing to do with Star Trek, <laughs> though. Don't care. Oh, really? <laughs> well, we're and beyond. Is it science fiction? Oh,
1: okay. Uh, well, it's weird. It's a like, it's so fancy... It's got supernatural... Uh, horror elements to it, oh, okay. but my approach to it has been to give everything a like scientific basis. It's oh, yes. so, like stuff in the past that you might have said, oh, this is just through, you know, whatever supernatural thing, I try to create, like, there's a scientifically plausible reason for yes. it. So it's like a scientific, sci-fi background to the horror love it which is you know we were talking about the thing before right it's like that's to me the, you know I I love the thing tremendously because it's super 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 horror Mm -hmm. but it comes from like a you know sci-fi background and if you haven't sat down and watched that dude it's gotta be done yeah (laughs) you got a blu-ray player I do yeah 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 we're going to fix that. Okay. So we're going to fix right. that soon. All right, So cool. I'm going to force everything on Eric this month. It's okay. <laughs> I have a lot
0: of stuff that I have left to consume, so, you know. Yeah, but
1: it's great. I still have, like, terrible memories of seeing the thing in the theater for the first time. 1982, a mm-hmm. uh, really cold December evening, I believe, mm. if I remember correctly, when came out. I was like, Oh Left you with a
0: little bit of a uh, scar, did it? <laughs> <laughs> <That too. laughs> yeah. The best. When you're, totally,
1: when you're totally unprepared for what a movie's going to do to you and it just like wreaks havoc. It's like, yep, that's the thing. Amazing.
0: I have a movie like that for myself. Uh, and of course I'm a little, you know, I, I'm 10 years or so newer uh, right. than you are. Um, the Reanimator. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the first time I ever saw that movie, could I tell you, first of all? Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs. From Deep Space Nine. Um, Deep Space i I'm, I'm so well-versed. Star, Star Trek Connections. Yeah, there, right? totally. Um, now we can talk about it, because it is a Star Trek Connection. <laughs> first time I ever saw a boob in a movie. <laughs> no way. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, one of the first rated R movies I ever saw. First time I ever saw a boob. Um, I still remember so much of that movie and I am not a guy who keeps like good memory records necessarily but for whatever reason that movie totally resonated with me at the time and I remember details about it I remember scenes I remember being super disturbed by it I remember not being able to watch it after I watched it yeah that's great Yeah. yeah are
1: you familiar with Bruce Campbell's Evil Dead movies Am I
0: familiar? I assume yeah. that means, yeah. No, Bruce, no those, those Bruce, are on the same Bruce, shelf. Those, those yeah. have to be next to each Absolutely. other, right? I mean, yeah. Come on, and I watched the TV show that they yeah. had. Yeah. And all. yeah. yeah. No. Well, yeah, you recognize yeah. the evil that's
1: over, over here. You know, yeah. yeah. Lots yeah. of ash. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's great stuff. Oh, there's a bunch of movies that are, that are like that from that era that are just fantastic.
0: So it's interesting for me when it comes to horror because um, I don't love gore Uh but the campier it is, the better. Yeah. for me. um what I really the thing that is lowest on my list is realistic violence against people. Yeah. To me, I I, not that's really. I'm not really into I
1: feel like that's that's bad for me. I don't like that either. No. I like, I horror gets a bad rap too because I almost feel like that's the wrong name to it to is. talk about the genres, right? Yeah. It's Like you know, because people oh, you look like Freddie, you you know, Michael Myers, and right. you know all that stuff. I'm like, no, dude, that's There's not. There's more to it than that. Yeah, that's not at all. It's just to me, it's just like horror is kind of like a way of. Dealing with the dark stuff in your subconscious, mm. right? When it's done well, when it's done well, like the way like John Carpenter does it, mm. to me that's that's the dude. Mm. I think he has a great handle on it. Uh, the way Guillermo del Toro uh, can can handle horror, to me that's that's the approach. When I say horror, I'm kind of you know mm-hmm. that's the street I want to be on, yeah. right? Where it's done well.
0: Well, I think this is a big success. I think so, too. Uh, We're getting down to the end here. Uh, The wine has definitely changed uh, a little bit over time. I don't know. What's your take on how it's changed over time? Yeah, I feel, if anything,
1: it's – the structure of it's been really consistent. For me, it hasn't changed a tremendous amount. Yeah. Make sure I'm being clear about what I speak. Um, Yeah, I think, if anything, it – some of the things have subdued themselves a little bit, uh, but I feel it's just really solid structure. It's really consistent. I'm still getting those, that nice hint of berry to it that I like, that, that blueberry flavor, mm-hmm. um, but not pronounced over berry. It's not something that you feel is like, you know, too sweet. It's solid, right? It's got that nice richness to it. Um, it's long finishing. It's hearty. It's mm-hmm. velvety. It's got depth to it and uh, and to me and and pleasantly dry you know in all the right ways so uh, I like it it's a good structure holds up really well
0: well, uh, we have been lucky so far to enjoy three very excellent wines. Next week we'll be trying out the uh, Andorian Blue Chardonnay. Can you hook us up with some seventy-degree weather to work up with that? I will do my Is there Anything you can yes. do, it'd be great. Uh, yeah, I, I, had, I do want to look ahead because I know we've got a rainy week coming up. I don't know what next weekend looks like though, but.
1: Uh, whatever. I'm, Either know, way, we'll be fine. <laughs> but but they on a nice planet, <laughs> so right. it's like we, we have to sort of evolve, drink right? to Chardonnay. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> we'll make it. What would it be like? So, so it's not like you're gonna have to make sure this this wine is cold. Okay, I will do that. Uh, I'll make so sure refrigerated. Stick it in uh, the fridge. Um, yep. You know, and I, uh, you know.
0: Yep. It's Andorian. Yeah, it has
1: to be cold. So be cold. you know, that's not not crazy cold. And you know, maybe we take it out like a half an hour before,
0: so it's you know coming up to not too cold. Okay. You want that. Okay. Oh. Is there a? Do you know of a? You know perfect temperature at which to serve refrigerated chardonnay? I don't. I don't even know. Okay. No. Yeah. It's just
1: every restaurant I ever worked in, This is like the, you know, the, the white wines are kept in a cooler. Yeah. You know, and then you take them out and you, you know, generally serve them immediately. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, and then they open up a little bit over time, and yeah. there you go. So I think, you know, i take it out a little bit, you yeah. know, 20 minutes, sure. 30 minutes in advance yeah, to, little to little. give it a little chance to, you know. Yeah mellow a little bit yeah, not be too crazy but yeah it's just a, a luxury perspective so right but this was great right this was great and uh i still have to watch the most recent uh, discovery because i'm behind mm-hmm. i will not say anything
0: okay at the moment um i'll just say i like where it's going okay so i'm optimistic yeah. yeah yeah you saw last week's right
1: i did yeah
0: okay yeah. did you like
1: last week's i mostly did Okay. And I think maybe just because I'm comparing it to the Casino Planet that came the week before, yeah. which I mostly didn't.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. To, to, for me, Casino Planet was a six. Yeah. Uh, uh, last week was like an eight. Okay. Like a, like yeah, eight, all right. Eight, eight and a half. I, mean, it was, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, this, this one that you haven't seen yet, it's pretty good. I'm sad because I feel like
1: my predictions for where we were going are so off base. I was just like, ugh.
0: Every time I read so it, I'm wrong. like, that's definitely what's happening. And then they it had it two back.
1: super big predictions about what I thought was going to happen on the oh, show. Yeah. neither one of them have come true. And at I this know. point, I don't think they will. Because it's okay. like, it's, it's, they're way too off. One of them involved Tilly. Oh, okay. Because, like, she took her off the board. Would you really take her off the board? Because she's such a popular character. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. I thought she would be off you know because what she's she's teaching she's going to academy, academy yeah. i think she would learn some valuable information perhaps mm. it could be useful and then she'd come back with that information that she learned right uh, i
0: have my own theories about mary wiseman uh why they she did take a show a uh, break from the show mm. isn't she popular though isn't that character popular uh, so i've almost wondered if she was like I don't know, pregnant or something. Oh. Some sort of big life thing that... But, my God, the road
1: is paved from hell to breakfast with actors who've gotten pregnant and still done their show.
0: Yeah, it's true. Well, actually, technically, uh, Sydney Martin-Green was pregnant when they started shooting season yeah. 4 right? Yeah, uh, that shouldn't get know. in the way. There's all kinds yeah. of ways you can get around that these days. I mean, you know. I just don't know why they would take her off otherwise, because you're right, she's a super, super popular character and despite the fact that we will have noah on the show this week we can't really ask him about tilly because or about mary <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because he's under nda and stuff so i just uh, i want to know more but i just don't know if we could find out okay that, yeah. now i'm
1: curious because i thought she's really you know she's more comedic
0: yeah you know oh no, i do I mean, really she... like
1: i do really like where we're going with uh Um, uh, Saru and his uh,
0: his tea-drinking girlfriend. Can can I just tell you, I I talked about this last week on the show. As a guy who loves romances, I absolutely love where this relationship is going because it is developing slowly. It's like based on mutual respect. They call each other in times of need. Yeah. And it just is like to me that's the be, emotional friend, the most beautiful way to develop he's a relationship. Emotional friend, so, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's like, "Can I get away with this?" And someone says, "Yes, you can get away with yeah. this. Yes, I'm your you know adjusted male. Culver's like, "Listen, I'm like, you need to go <laughs> for it, dude." He's like, what are you? What's wrong with you? That's right. Yeah. You need to let that Kelpian shit go. Well, that's right. <laughs> like, Let's do that. Yeah. yeah. So I love that. It's yeah. just like so. I'm. I'm I, I think that that's the kind of thing they should let themselves
0: just you know don't hold back on that stuff i think that's really people love that refreshing yeah it's refreshing and you know there are some people who are saying oh the new discovery is too emotional and too many people talking about how they're supporting each other or this kind of stuff and i'm saying dude isn't that what the world needs right now like that to me is exactly what discovery should be covering yeah
1: it's balance right because sometimes when it seems like they're talking about it you know, rather than doing it, it can seem a bit much, right? Yeah, but, they, but, I mean, but then you look around and you, like, go back in the real world. You're like, oh, good God. Now, it's like there's such a little empathy sometimes. It's like we got to have, you know, some of that stuff. So okay. I think they continue to, you know, point towards the high road for things, which is what we should be doing. Absolutely. So, well, I'm feeling a little guilty that I need to make sure that everything upstairs is... Yeah in good stead yes. as far as the family dynamics go, man. But this was delightful. Um, super excited to get to the next one. Um, it was fun to do a road show.
0: It really was. It was fun to be here in your in your toy cave of amazingness. And thank you so much, Paul, for all your, you know, knowledge on the wine. And just like, I don't know, I just like hanging out with you, too. Oh, <laughs> well, thanks, man. <laughs> thanks. It's been fun. So, yeah. Yeah. And I promised to provide
1: some visual uh You know, uh, narration. So you can see what this nonsense was like. People are wondering what this room's like. They need to see, get a glimpse. That's amazing. We'll get a couple. We'll get a couple photos up on the website or something. Yeah. Sweet. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Paul. All right, man. Energize. Trek talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. let's see what's out there